Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another edition of Below the Hard Deck with me, your host, Michael Sheriff. If you like the F14, if you're a Tomcat fan, then you are really going to enjoy what we've got lined up for you in this show here. Over the next 60 minutes, we're going to be joined by a very special, notorious guest when it comes to the Tomcat. And uh, so I think a lot of you are going to know who this guy is, especially if you're in the Top Gun group or uh, anything to do with uh, US Navy, Aviation, Tail Hook Association, etc. I'm really looking forward to this one, and we're going to dive straight into it. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring in my guest, David Bio. Brannick. 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 <laughs> Very nice, Michael. Thanks. Nice to uh, be talking to you again. It's yeah, a, it's always nice to while. see you. It has. It has. It has. How have you been keeping? Living the good life. Living the dream, as they say. <laughs> so before we crack on to anything... Let's uh, reveal what have you got that's cold for this one. Oh, because for this one, I'm be... drinking. Uh, I'm drinking a Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Oh, so uh, one of my regulars. Good. Yeah, pretty good. See, it wouldn't be a bio podcast without a cold one. You know, it, there. to me, it sets a tone. I had. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll get a little bit philosophical, but but. Um, you know, naval aviation, any military service. And actually, you know, I admit it, um, probably, you know, almost every job, it requires sacrifice, it requires commitment, you put in long hours and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But one of the rewards we got in, in uh, naval aviation was going to the officer's club. And uh, the club. I, I finally remember hanging out, drinking a beer with my buddies and telling stories and catching up and all that other stuff. And you know, we also, you know, advanced the state of the art some because we talked about work uh, uh, as much as we could in an unclassified yeah. environment. So cheers. Yeah. To you, my friend. Let's, uh, let's have a good one. So we're being joined by people. And I know in the uh, in the U.S., we've got good afternoon uh, to everybody and uh, the U.K., Europe. Good evening, uh, getting on towards good night and very early good morning. And all the way over to, into Australia, it's uh, very early good morning. I hope you guys are keeping well. If anybody's got any comments as we go through the show, feel free to add them wherever you're watching. If you're watching this um, on YouTube, then just drop a comment in below and it'll pop up into the studio. That's Steve Zanar, hi bio, excellent, that works nicely. It's on Facebook. If you're watching this from a Facebook group, um, there's some restrictions that Facebook has that uh, it doesn't always give us the person's name. Uh, Taco, <laughs> Taco, it, it's always sunny in Scotland. We all know this by now, okay? It's just voodoo magic, and it's, it's my secret. Uh, <laughs> good evening, gentlemen. The temperature's under the end of degrees. Oh, Holy shit, nice. it's Piper. <laughs> Hi, Taco. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, always good to see my my podcasting partner in crime. TJ? Excellent, excellent. It's nice to see people joining us and they're not just uh, chatting into the wind. Yeah, Mitchell, it's always good to see you. Yeah, I can't wait till we uh, we team up again and uh, bring these guys back in because we're going to have a lot of fun. So, Bio, we're here to talk about your new podcast, which is all about the F-14 Tomcat. Ah. So uh, let's just drop in and you tell us everything that there is to know about this uh, this new podcast. Presumably, why you've actually well, you done... Do you want me to tell you about myself first? Do you want me to tell you about myself first real quick? You, you're, 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 
you're bio. Everybody knows who bio is. But I was yeah, an F-14 okay. Rio radar intercept <laughs> officer. Uh, I was also a Top Gun instructor. Um, and, and you know, uh, for that, I I'm carry a, a sense of pride, uh, but also a responsibility. I really feel responsibility every time I represent myself as a Top Gun instructor. And I just finished reading uh, Brad Elward's uh, big book, uh, Top Gun, The Legacy. And I read the comments from some of the other Top Gun instructors, and I go, oh, good. I'm not the only one that feels the pride of being part of that organization. Um, I did, uh, I did uh, as a Rio, I did tours in three F-14 squadrons. I got almost 2,500 flight hours and uh, about 650 uh, carrier landings. Um, I've got one ejection, which was uh, a great experience. And I also commanded an F-14 squadron VF-211. So uh, I was very fortunate. I mean, Michael, this is all from a guy who uh, who dreamed of flying fighters starting from around the age of 10 or 11, something like that. So to go through and do all that stuff, I uh, felt like I was very fortunate. So now to, let me answer your other question if you want. or I'll give you a minute to uh, if you want to expound on anything that I mentioned. Well, you've also been in one of the most famous F-14 films. I'm a little bit biased. And uh, you flew as one of the bad guys in that notorious uh, MiG-28. In fact, uh, it's debatable. I think we've had discussion where you were maybe in there with, with Rat, I think it was, when you got flipped off. It was either you or somebody else. I yeah, can't remember. I think, well, I think it was me, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's hard, impossible to say for sure. But that's uh, one of my that's, – that's a – you know, picture that I was so glad that I handed my camera to the plane captain and said, here, take a picture of us. That was Rat and me uh, standing next to a MiG-28 after we got back from filming a, a scene from the movie. Let's just say what can pull up here. Who, who's that? Oh, that's uh, Sunshine, Rat, and Hollywood. I have, you know, I mean, I have no doubt, even though I can only see half of their faces, I have no doubt who those three guys are. It's Hollywood on the right-hand side as we're looking at, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're apart from, uh, let's just have a look apart from, um, being synonymous with the F-14 and everything else, you're also notorious for taking some absolutely cracking shots when it comes to, uh, to in midair F-14, even the ones on the ground. And I'm going to share this one by you because this is the one that you let me use for the F-14, uh, Facebook okay. group. Thanks. That is yeah. stunning. Yeah. You know, I wish I had been more methodical, but but uh, as with so many other things, I'm happy with what I have. So yeah, uh, I got a couple of shots that I really like. That one, I, I still remember. It was a Friday afternoon. I put it, I put this on my Facebook page, and I told the story about it. But uh, uh -huh. most of the pictures that I took on that day were the full color jet uh, bullet 201. But I saw this one out there, and I go, yeah, I'll, I'll take a picture of this one. So it's good. it's good. And the sky, isn't it? The re it's just, it really sets it yeah. off. I like that picture. Yeah. Yep. It's perfect for an F-14 group. And uh, this character, I like this one. I remember you sending me this one oh, back in before May, before we did the other podcast about walking around on the back of an F-14. That's you know, that, coolness. That's another one that, uh, again, I was, I was just so happy that I took a moment and gave my camera to my plane captain and said, here, take a picture of me, you know, standing by the tail. And I have to admit that the, uh, this picture was inspired by a photo I took uh, when I was a Lieutenant JG in my first squadron VF 24 and uh -huh. Larry Morris call sign magic said, Hey, bio, come here and take a picture of me standing by the tail. And so he, 
I took a picture of him like that. And then, you know, 18 years later, 17 years later, I had a picture of myself taken like that. There you are yourself. That's excellent. I love the background stories to the, to the pictures. Um, I was looking for the one, um, the notorious one, where you've actually taken the, the selfie before selfies even existed, the photo that's just been copied everywhere. And is that, yes, the source of a million memes, you're going to have you're going to have that in the book, aren't you? Uh, did, 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 that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that's cracking. And what is it that you're reading? Copied the Tailhooker magazine, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's a copy well, of the uh, Tailhook magazine and Michael. I mean, when, <laughs> I wish I had turned the other way. So one, you could see the front cover of the magazine and two, so you could see my name tag. <laughs> or, let's say it would have been this way, but oh, well. I, you know, I, I got a picture. It turned out okay, and uh, and it, it is me. Yeah, there's Famous. a lot of people have done a lot of funny things with that. Yeah, I'd, I've been looking at that photo for such a long time without realizing like who it was. It's it's always good to, to meet the person behind the photo, let alone the story. Um, but we're going to jump into the all brand new F14 Tomcat podcast. Um, I've seen the the story behind it. It looks really cool. It's got a really cool name. There's a lot of um, 14 things in there with regards to when it's produced, how often, etc. But I'm going to open it up to you so you can explain uh, to everybody what it is, why, who, and what it actually produces and what it gives to people that tune in um, every 14 days. Okay. Um, first off, the uh, our, we're, a, uh, we're associated with the Fighter Pilot Podcast, which is run by uh, Jello Aiello. And Jello was an F-18 pilot, and he was also a Top Gun instructor. And he's done uh, maybe 130 episodes of the Fighter Pilot podcast, and they are audio only. But that's what he wants. Uh, I've listened to uh, quite a few of the episodes, and and they're just amazing. I, I don't know what he originally started out as, but he ended up – I mean, I don't know if his original vision was this expansive, but he's done a series on the Century – the Century series of fighters, you know, one for each one of them. He's done, uh, he did a, a, um, a Vulcan episode on the uh, British Vulcan bomber. He's done all just all kinds of cool things like that. One thing that he noticed was that every time they talk about the F-14, his audience goes up. So he goes, why don't we start an F-14 podcast? So he he couldn't do it because he's a Hornet pilot and he didn't feel like it would, he would be the best guy to do it. So he contacted one of his fellow Top Gun instructors, uh, Crunch Snyder. Mm-hmm. Crunch was uh, also an, he was also an instructor there when Jello was there, but he was also an F-14 pilot. And Crunch said he would be interested in doing it. And they said, well, we had to get a Rio to, to help with us. And it ought to be an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment, though, isn't it? I'd rather be an old guy than, you know, the alternative. So, uh <laughs> Crunch and I briefly intersected uh, when when he uh, when he augmented VF211 in 1997 when we did a surge, uh, a 96-hour surge during uh, training, and so uh, Crunch and, and Jello and I know each other just from I was on the uh, Fighter Pilot podcast, a, a special episode to talk about my newest book. So anyway, those guys said, "Let's see if Bio wants to do it." They asked me. And initially, I would not have said 
you know, I, I wasn't looking for something new to do, but as soon as they mentioned it to me, I said, this sounds too good. I want to be part of it. And so, um, so I signed on now their initial idea was to uh, put episodes out every 14 days at 14 days. Gotcha. And then it was, uh, we, we, uh, Jello also has this idea and I, we crunch and I agree with it. Uh, it shouldn't just go on forever. So we've got a plan to do this for one year, 26 episodes. The episodes last uh, between 60 and 90 minutes, and most of them are closer to 90 minutes. Yeah. And uh, they are topic-based. So we started with the uh, the F-14, the development of the F-14. And then the next thing we went to is the fleet introduction. Then we talked about you know the AUG-9, about flying yeah. the F-14, and we're going through a series of topics. Uh, we're we're pretty much building our foundation now, and then we're going to get into more operational episodes as uh, the time goes on. We uh, we do have a uh, question email. Uh, we have a, an you know an email address called questions at f14tomcast.com. Yeah, and the name F14 Tomcast is as you can see Tomcast is um, a play on Tomcat and podcast. So it's cool. It works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. That logo looks kind of familiar too. Uh, we, our graphic artist designed it to, uh, to resemble things, although not copy them. No, exactly. Exactly. I, I have this, I have the same kind of approach to a lot of things. As there well. you go. Yeah. Just, you know, well, as we said before, I, this is a, a brand new clean T-shirt for the show. I did have another T-shirt on I was going to wear, but unfortunately half of my dinner went down that one because that's just the way it goes, unfortunately, when you're, uh, when you're eating late at night. So we're looking at... Um, so we're Michael, at the, the, when, I, when I was in San Diego a couple of months ago, I was doing a uh, live TV interview uh, on the morning news. Uh, and <laughs> I sipped my cup of coffee. I was wearing a white shirt and... Coffee you know what? Down the front, Bio. You know, you know, you should have done to cover that. Is as it as it went down, you should have gone. God damn that son of a bitch! You know, just <laughs> yeah. Some <laughs> people would have got it. Some people wouldn't. But you can like, damn, that's next twice. time. Thank you. There you go. I wish I, wish I was that quick. <laughs> oh, it's, it's only because it's late. I, I can think quicker when it's late. So. What's uh, what's coming up in uh, in the future episodes that you're going to be covering? Because it, it's limited to twenty at the moment. It's limited to twenty six. Yeah, so let me tell you some of the highlights that we've uh, that we've done so far. I see uh, full afterburner calzones has joined us also. Yeah. Uh, so hi Ben. Um, some of the highlights that we've done so far was when we talked to uh, to Kurt Schrader, who is a Grumman test pilot who flew some incredible. Uh, test flights with the F-14. I mean, wow. I didn't know Kurt. Uh, I didn't know Kurt in the past, but yeah. he's but he was uh, very generous and uh, friendly to uh, to join our our program and come on the podcast with us. And one thing that Crunch and I both agreed and were surprised at is his memory is incredible. So he's got an amazing memory for uh, details and stuff, but also he talked about how involved he was. I mean, I don't know how much people know about test pilots, but they don't just go out there and and fly a profile and make notes or something. He came mm -hmm. back with suggestions and ideas, and some of these helped shape the Tomcat and make it the great jet that it turned out to be. 
Wow. I mean, as one example, uh, this wasn't something that he did, but it was something that he explained in his discussion. It's about how the uh, the fuselage of the Tomcat provides a great uh, percentage of the lift. And it's from this mm -hmm. flat underside and the shape of the upper side. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. But it yeah. provides a significant portion of the lift uh, in addition to the wings. And, and Kurt talks about that. Our second episode, we talked to a, a pilot in Rio from the uh, from VF2, and it was uh, they were there for the first deployment. And it's interesting to hear their perspective on what the fleet thought of the Tomcat when it was new. Um, you know, to to give away a little bit of that, uh, they were not all about long range Phoenix missiles and carrier mm -hmm. air defense. They were sitting there. These are fighter pilots, and they're going, "We've got a dogfighter." And so they wanted to go out and fight at every opportunity. In addition, uh, they Lur talks gives a, a great play-by-play uh, -play of a mishap that uh, that he observed was flying next to. I mean, it's uh, just it's just amazing stuff that they these guys went through. So there's a lot there's a lot of stories from other people that are coming on that you're not yeah. you're not just discussing obviously how the F14 evolved and what it went through and that you're talking to the people that actually flew the plane and operational and their stories from it as well. Right. Yep. Um, you know, next we go to Wahoo and he talks about the Aug Nine and some of his best stories are missile shoot his two of his missile shoot experiences and his wow. you know and they're unusual they're cool missile yeah. shoot. Yeah. Then we talked to uh, Slammer about flying the F-14, and he gives us just some great perspective on uh, what it took to fly the F-14. And, and one of his comments was about learning the trick move. And he said, that's not what it's all about. He said the, the guys that taught him did not teach him the trick move. They taught him how to understand the airplane and how to think and how to employ it. But Slammer also gives uh, just a great overview of a bunch of uh, Navy programs. Uh, right. So, so he, I mean, he was a great guest. We got a lot out of that uh, program. That was how far ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, how far are you, are you? Have you got literally everything planned out for the next twenty six programs? No, we, do, or? we we do got we have a lot of flexibility. I will give you a couple of teasers. So the the last episode that's that's out there as of today was our interview with our Iranian F-14 pilot. And uh, he gave us some uh, fascinating insights also. And then I, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. Our next episode, we're starting to get more operational and it's going to be released. Uh, I'm looking at the calendar. It's going to be released in about two days on Tuesday, the uh, 23rd. Yeah. Uh -huh. And we're talking about the forward air controller airborne or FAC a program. Wow. And and so our uh, our guest just he was one of the guys who introduced FACA and uh he, he gives you know some great flying stories and also he he describes uh Navy and Marine Corps training programs. So so people that want to know, you know, behind the scenes, in addition to the great flying stories and the Tomcats capabilities, you're gonna get it all in this program. Okay. Well, it certainly, it certainly seems like the Tom, the the podcast, the Tomcat podcast, to come to to learn everything, the insides from inside out, from the start to the end, and yeah. so much in between. And just to let you know that um, it seems that we're upon the the big video screens up in uh, Afterburner Calzone is there. Hello uh, there at Afterburner Calzone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I hope cool. everybody's in. I hope everybody's enjoying something sweet. That's cool, Ben. Okay, so yeah, Michael. Yeah, 
your point is is uh, correct. We and and Crunch and I, we put some thought into this. You know, we uh, Crunch was a Tomcat pilot with twenty six hundred hours, so he flew it for about uh, for more than ten years. I've I was a Rio with twenty five hundred hours, and I flew it for thirteen years out of my twenty year career, and um, and so we bring you know some perspective. And we're looking for these guests. We pick these people because we know they'll be able to tell that part of the story. So we sure. ask them, you know, the questions and uh, and they tell us stories. They give us background. And a lot of them, I mean, they tell us problems. We encourage them to, you know, we don't want to hear a big whitewash. Yeah, uh, so they do tell us some of the problems and stuff. But also they are uh, they tell us, you know, the cases where the F-14 uh, kicked other planes butts and stuff like that. Uh <laughs> I mean, one of the upcoming episodes is about the F-14D, and uh, our guest uh, is a a real fan of the D, and he, you know, he lets you know that it was the greatest fighter ever built. So, Dave, I'm going to start you because I'm not a military expert. I don't right. come from the military military background. Can you sum up in layman's terms the difference between the models that you talk about of the F-14 oh, yeah. and you talk about yes. the D? The F-14A was the original uh, Tomcat. It has uh, it has a lot of compromises uh, based on you know finances at the time, and I and mm -hmm. I guess uh, attitude at the time, and and maybe maybe we can lay some of that on on Navy leadership because um, I, I mean I don't know I I was not an admiral you know in the Pentagon, so I don't I don't know what that was like, but I know that uh, Grumman and the Navy made a lot of compromises to get the F-14 into production. Okay. It was, um, and and two of the compromises are, uh, one is the TF-30 engine, and two is the AUG-9 radar. The AUG-9 radar was impressive at the time, but it was a carryover from the F-111B program, which was the yeah. Navy's version of the F F-111. And so it was designed in the 60s, the AUG-9 oh, radar. Yeah. yeah. Now, wow. on the other hand, Grumman did an incredible job of taking what they had to have and putting it in this very effective airframe. I mean, which had, it has a variable geometry wings so that it could meet the performance specifications of a low landing speed, mm -hmm. high top speed, uh, a long on station time with the wings out or, you know, high speed performance. So Grumman did a very nice job of making a good airplane uh, with what they could. Uh, unfortunately, the F-14A was supposed to be the interim version. And the first thing that was supposed to happen was it was supposed to get new engines pretty quickly, but they could never get the funding and the engineering and all these other things. Yeah. I, I tried to refresh myself on why the new engines didn't get in earlier. And it's just a complicated story. So the bottom line is the majority of Tomcats were made in the F-14A version. Right. Eventually, they, uh, the Navy was able to get some money and they put new engines in and these became the F-14B model. So it still had the original radar with some updates and it had new engines. And then the final Tomcat, which is sometimes called the Super Tomcat, was the F-14D. And that had new engines, a new digital radar, which combined the features of the AUG-9, which was a, a, a large antenna and a high power out with digital yep. processing. So... The F-14D was really the Tomcat that should have been around a long time. And there were plans to upgrade the Tomcat even further. 
But uh, by this time, the program was canceled uh, in favor of the upgraded uh, Super Hornet. So A, B, and D were the three types of Tomcats. Right, gotcha. And that's between there that we went from the um, the Pratt & Whitney over to the GE, is it? Uh, yeah. So and, that and, was... you know, and actually, that's another uh, surprise. Uh, we've asked several of our guests what they thought about the TF-30. And, you know, they admit you had to fly the engine. And that's never a good thing in a fighter. But yeah. they, don't, they don't blame the engine. You know, Slammer, for example, tells about when he used to take F-14As with TF-30s and dogfight RAG instructors who were flying F-14Ds and beat them, even though they had the bigger engines, because wow. they just did not understand the airplane the way they should. And so that was, you know... For, for him to do that to another RAG instructor, that's very informative to them. It shows them they need to learn uh, some more. Yeah. So it's not really, you know, you, you can have a really good aircraft, but it's not, if it's not got the air crew, the crew that can fly it to its, you know, to its full capabilities, then it's never going to, you know, reach its full capabilities. Michael, that's, uh, that's one of the things that Top Gun uh, teaches. One of the lessons Top Gun has taught Yes, you need you want a good airplane, you want the best airplane possible. But between uh, aircrew training and tactics, you can uh, make up for a, a, a lot of you know deficiencies in an airplane. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna but you don't uh, want to rely throw, on that. Yeah. No. I'm going to throw a question in from Steve. He said, what's the difference between the F-14A plus and the F-14B? Uh, they are identical. Oh. The, the, uh, the Navy called it the A plus. Uh, when they put the new engines in the F-14A, they called it the A-plus uh, to, you know, to kind of play a game. Oh, we're just making a small change to it. And then after okay. a few years, they go, okay, this is stupid. Uh, I think one of the drivers was that the uh, computer uh, supply system couldn't handle the plus or something like that. So they just <laughs> went ahead and said, okay, let's call it the F-14B and be done with it. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. I've not got the details of who asked the who asked the question because it's come through a Facebook group. Um, but they're coming back to the uh, to the Iranian F fourteen pilot. And did they de did they describe any low flybys of a U.S. carrier? No, he did not. And uh, part of the reason is that the uh, pilot that we could get uh, did not have extensive experience in Iranian F 14s He was an Iranian F fourteen pilot. Uh, but as he explains later in the interview, he, he uh, met with some uh, life-threatening difficulty and he had to get out of the country. So <laughs> he still, he provides, uh, I mean, just fascinating insights uh, in an Iranian uh, training operations and things like that. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Do you think, it, does it amaze you really that um, Iran's still flying these things? Uh, yeah, the US, in a word, the US, yeah. for whatever reason, aren't and Iranians are. Well, you know, there, there's there's a, multiple reasons why the United States isn't. And that that comes about from the decision that was made in the early 90s uh, to go mm -hmm. with the Super Hornet. But um, but, you know, we can talk about that again later. But briefly, yeah. I mean, to, to answer in a single word, yes, I am bleeping surprised that Iran is still flying these F-14s. Um, more than 40 years after, you know, relations were cut off. Yeah. That yeah. was in, the, that, you know, 1979 was when the Shah was overthrown, I believe. And that's when we pulled out. 
So it's like, is it an engineering feat of amazement that they've still got these things flying, or do you really just think it's like a credit to the to the jet itself, or both? Uh, you know, yeah, you have to credit the operators to to a great extent. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, because you can, you know, you can build the uh, a great airplane, but it still has to be maintained, and for them to maintain it over this long, I mean, it it. it uh, you know, I'm speaking kindly about them. I'm trying to keep it objective. Uh, I I don't like the political situation between Iran and and many other countries. So mm -hmm. I'll just put that out there. But okay, strictly speaking about their F-14, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I'm amazed that they fly it, and and I have to give them credit for keeping it in the air. Yeah. Well, I mean, I missed obviously any F. Um airborne f-14 so my only chance now really is is seeing an, an iranian one flying otherwise it's everything the only ones i'm going to see are, are stuck on the ground and uh, as, as museum pieces and for yeah. me that's a shame because i've never actually got to see an f-14 up flying um going back to ben as he's uh, making his cows own his eyes listening to this going on that's that's such a cool thing uh, it says, "What's a, a cool, great question that you guys have uh, received that's been written in uh, to the uh, to the Tomcast?" Uh, and he's loving uh, the episodes. I've got a list of the questions here, and uh, Crunch and I are planning to uh, to answer a lot of them on um, on a bonus episode. Uh, you know, sticking with the Iranian theme, I guess uh, one person wrote a detailed explanation about why Iranian F-14s. Uh, we're not using uh, AIM 9s and AIM 7s, mm -hmm. I believe it was. And I just sat there and I go, wow. You know, I wrote back to him. I go, you sure did your homework. And he talked about him and another guy looking at all the available resources and figuring it out. So I said, okay, that was cool. Uh, and this was back in the early days because what mm -hmm. the Iranians did was they they looked at the uh, situation and they go, hey, we want to be able to, to use all the possible missiles on the, on the F-14. And so they did a lot of, uh, you know, bootleg engineering and stuff, uh, workarounds and modifications and things like that. But some of the questions we've received was, uh, how did Crunch get his call sign? Which uh, <laughs> I do not know. I wouldn't tell you anyway. You're going to have to keep watching and catch a uh, catch the bonus episode when Crunch and I will both uh, talk about uh, how we got our call signs. Is he is he going to spill the beans on this one? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. He's he's already told me that he'll he'll uh, tell the story. <laughs> oh, it's always great to hear our pilots um, got given their call signs. It's because it's nice because obviously you guys can't actually get to choose them. They're put upon you by your peers for you know good or bad uh, reasons. You know, in the in my experience in in Navy squadrons, I was in three Navy squadrons plus plus Top Gun. Of course, by the time I was in Top Gun, uh, all the aviators that show up there already have a call sign. But we mm. did, you know, some of our ground personnel uh, officers. Uh, got call signs. And so we gave them call signs there, but in squadrons in a Navy fighter squadron, in my experience, call signs were kind of, they just emerged and they, you know, morphed. I mean, sometimes yeah. somebody would walk in the door and it would be like, you look like so-and-so. And so that's their, <laughs> that's their call sign. Like there's a, uh, there was a East coast Rio whose call sign was Boog. And uh, so I looked up, you know, I know the guy. He's very, very capable and very well thought of. Um, and there was a, a baseball player, American baseball player called uh, Boog Powell. And so I looked up Boog Powell and I go, I think it was Boog Powell. And so I go, God, that looks just like this Rio. 
So, <laughs> you know, his name. Um, and then there's another one. There's other ones. For example, um, Jeff Mullen. Uh, his call sign was Moon. Um, and so you look look up uh, history of American uh, cartoons. And back in the old days, there was a cartoon character named, I think it was Moon Mullins. And so uh -huh. anyone whose name is Mullen or Mullins or anything like that gets a call sign Moon. So just, it's just perfect for them, isn't it? Yeah. Perfect. And I think this is a really good question from, uh, from Colin. It says, hi, bio. Uh, I've seen a lot of footage from Tomcats taking off uh, on a land base, and it looks like they're doing a takeoff without the flaps. Do you do takeoffs with the flaps on, sorry, without the flaps on land? Great. Yeah, question. you can do a no flap takeoff on land. Yeah. So for layman terms, for those not done, what do the flaps do for during takeoff? So the flaps are, here, I'll just zoom in on there. Let this me, is good. Keep it tight. Keep it tight like this. Yeah. Okay. So the flaps are these panels on the backs of the wings. Yeah. The pilot uh, man can manually lower them. And uh, they change the contour of the wing. If you put a flap, a panel down there, it's going to uh, create much more lift. Right. The F-14 also has uh, leading edge slats. Okay. Uh, and so if the pilot went to full flaps, then the slats and the flaps would come down. They create a lot more lift, but they create a lot more drag. So yeah. that's why, you know, you don't just fly around with them down all the time. Uh, the F-14 had automatic maneuvering devices. So that, sorry. So if you're in yeah. an engagement and you get to certain, uh, uh, I believe it's angle of attack, which is the, uh, the angle of the aircraft flying to relative wind, then the maneuvering devices would come down and up to give you a somewhat increased lift. But um, in terms of takeoff, uh, it was pilot option to go full flap or no flap. Uh, I hate to say it. I don't remember exactly why we would go no flap, but I know uh, sometimes we did. Um, in terms of landing, we always went full flap for landing. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. That's that's that answered nicely. And before we get back to the Tomcast, because this is the main um, main subject of this, and we knew we knew for a while when we get bio on and we're talking Tomcats, it's going to be question after question because like the man's synonymous with their, with their fourteens. Um, can you talk about how benzene is used with missiles and the jet? No, <laughs> I, I don't remember. We use benzene. Let me look at my NATOPS manual and see. <laughs> I just had to pull that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mind you asking that, but I don't remember uh, how we use benzene. So, okay, cool. Uh, people still joining us halfway through the show. Um, cool. Yeah, it's good. I mean, this is recorded anyway. Um, as soon as the, the live stream's finished, wherever anybody's watching the live stream at the moment, that's where the replay is going to live as well. So you can come back um, and watch this as as much as you want. Michael, um, I wrote a, I wrote a note to myself because I know you are restraining yourself in terms of talking about our podcast. <clears throat> yes, we will have an episode about the original Top Gun movie. Oh, good luck. Whose idea was that? Because I'd like to send him a $5 bill. <laughs> it's a natural. That's a given. The yeah. thing is that we were going to have it uh, this year, just before the movie came out. But with the movie delayed, uh, not only did we talk about it, but somebody wrote to our, our comment line and said, 
please delay your movie episode. So we said, okay, that works. So we're going to delay the movie episode <laughs> to next year. But was that want- an anonymous email address? <laughs> I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to even make a joke about it. But uh, if you want to hear about the Tomcat in the movies, our final countdown episode comes out on December 7th, 2021. Wow. Why that date? (laughs) That's when the movie takes place. Oh, was it? I've never watched it. Just call me biased. You know, it's, it's either. No, I recommend. No, my I have. Wife? I have. I'm, I, I was kidding. By okay, I've watched it once. I mean, I, I my wife had never watched it, so a few months ago, I said, "Come on, let's watch this," and she goes, oh, "That's pretty good," you know. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's it's, yeah. it's okay. It's, no, it's, it's all good. right. I, I I can't knock that. Well, and, um, the, and the stories of filming it are uh, it's like <clears throat> it's like so many things like going back to you know another age. Just things were were simpler back then. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have it didn't have the big budget and the big names that Top Gun had. I mean, it had yeah. they believe me. I when I've watched it again, I've watched it twice in the past couple of years. They got some fantastic F fourteen scenes and some great scenes of carrier up. So I'm not belittling the movie at all. But they it took them a little bit of trial and error and stuff to uh, to get all that. So sure. Well. It's it's all done live, isn't it? There's a lot of footage that's you know, the CGI was isn't as as common, right? Oh no, back then they, they didn't do any CGI. They did a little bit of model work. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the CGI didn't exist. They they had to go with with literally if you want you if you want a shot of the F14 taking off, you had to get in the F14 and, and film it taking off. Right. And if you missed it, yeah. You know, that was that was that you just couldn't fiddle around with the computer and come back again. Uh, I'll just leave that there. Please, can you explain in detail the division of labor between the pilot and the Rio in the F 14 in an air to air threat scenario? For example, the Libyan fighter fitter, fitter, yeah, SU 22 fitter. Um, the shoot downs in August 81. Um, although the aircraft um, crew gets the credit for the kill, who actually sends the kill shot missile? Okay, I'll answer the second question first, and then yeah. I'll, I'll probably go backwards on this one. I'm so just going to leave the I'm going to leave the question up, obviously, for people to read through as you're yep. answering that. Okay, so since that uh, Libyan fitter shoot down was a uh, the F-14s both shot aim seven aim nine sidewinders, that is a missile that can only be shot by the pilot in the F-14. The uh, the pilot can shoot all three air to air missiles and the gun, and the pilot drops the bombs. The Rio has a launch button, but he can only shoot aim seven or aim 54 Sparrow or Phoenix. Okay. So that too. So since those are aim nine sidewinders, the pilot shot him. Michael, go ahead. Do you need to, do do the missiles need to be armed before the Rio can release them? Oh yeah. yeah, The pilot's got to have, you know, master arm turned on and the proper missile selected. And it's what the pilot selects before the Rio pushes the button. Gotcha. So the Rio can't uh, just sit at the back, just letting them go as he sees fit. It's the it's the 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 pilot that always gets complete crew yeah. coordination. Yeah. Okay. In terms of uh, of both crew getting uh, credit for the kill, I've read recently about the uh, the Navy's first uh, MIG kills back in Vietnam, and they were going to give, and I think this is from the first kills, they were going to give the pilots like silver stars or something 
and give the Rios lesser rewards. Wow. And the, the crews themselves said, no, they go, that is, it's a crew. And, and the pilots agreed. And, and in fact, in those first kills, the Rios ran radar intercepts and did beautiful radar work uh, to make the kills happen. So in the Libyan kills, though, in August 1981, it's uh, two F-14s approaching two uh, Libyan fitters. The fitters shot forward quarter missiles. So they took the first shots and they were ineffective because the missiles just were not capable of guiding when launched from the forward quarter. Gotcha. And so, but since they fired the shot, Tomcats were cleared to fire by any, by any, you know, rules of engagement, certainly by the United States rules of engagement. But, but if you commit a hostile act, like launching a missile at somebody that's demonstrating, you know, that's a hostile act. That's not Yeah. 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 So the Tomcats then get into a, uh, the, 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 um, here I'll use, I'll use it. Do you want that, do you want that in tight or coming in wide? I'm just going to do it for a second. But what happened was the fitters shot very close to the pass. And then it was immediately a merge plot or, you know, they passed. And so the Tomcats immediately, though, recognized it as a threat and maneuvered into uh, to get kills. Yeah. In my head, I can hear Stinger saying, do not fire until fired upon. (laughs) That's obviously where that comes from, isn't it? That that was something Uh, correct in Top Gun. That's a good good. That's a good general line, but uh, the real rules of engagement are generally classified. So right. that kind of stuff, uh, we were careful about what they wrote in the movie. But that's, you know, yeah. that that makes sense. That line makes sense. So it's like, okay, yep. that's good. So anyway, during this engagement with the fitters, the Rios would have done things like uh, assist the pilots in maintaining sight of the other F-14 and the other fitter. Um, but it, it was pretty simple. A two V two, it was a quick engagement. The pilots were probably, you know, probably on top of everything the entire time. So the Rios in this case would have been basically in a supporting role. Um, they may have, you know, activated a dogfight mode of the radar to make the radar track the target. So the pilot mm-hmm. can slave the aim nine seeker head to it and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, that was mostly a pilot show. I'm still really surprised that they will try and give um, the pilot more credit. Yeah, just... no, no, that the no, no. Who would try to do that though? Nobody, nobody officially did that. You mean that our? Yeah. Oh, you mean way back when, back in the first yeah, kill? Yeah, 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 they, yeah. They didn't know. Uh, back then, you know, Rios were an unknown, were an unknown uh, quantity, and they could not command squadrons until uh, a few years later. So they just didn't know, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Mitchell. Obviously, you uh, watching uh, Final Countdown a lot, noticing the the string taped to the windshield of the F fourteen. <laughs> That's called the yaw string, and it's actually right here in front of the windscreen, and it right. helps the pilot. It helps the pilot trim the airplane. So he sits there and looks at the yaw string, which is right, you know, in front of him on the wind, you know, on the nose in front of the windscreen. Mm-hmm. And he operates the trim until it's blowing straight back. Wow. Low-tech low solution to a... <laughs> but it works. But it, it works. And it's it's not going to suddenly suffer from a, a power failure, is it? No. Which is always reassuring. Uh, another question from Tony. Um, 
we're getting way off topic for here from from the Tom cast, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive back into that after this. Did you ever practice intercepting uh, an SR seventy one? Sadly, uh, my squadron when I was in VF twenty four, we were uh, we got the chance to do that, but uh, I think we sent out four jets to do it, and and I was in the fifth one, and my jet I didn't even man up. I don't think uh, they didn't wow. have a jet for me, so missed out. I, yeah, but we did it in the simulator, and and that was a simulator that was, uh, I mean, our simulators were very realistic, mm -hmm. and what you what you see is that it's um, it's something that you can do, it can be done, and you can certainly launch a name fifty four at it, but it is not easy, and the, the biggest thing is managing uh, intercept geometry. What I'm doing is, uh, you know, I. Like like almost everyone associated with aviation, I like uh, SR-71s. And yeah. so when I was in uh, in this book, I, I talked about when a pilot and I went to Beale for a uh, conference and uh, talked to the SR-71 guys. Okay, Michael, nice. get us Is that your pick? Track. Is that actually your pick? Oh, yeah, I took the SR-71. Yeah, they invited us to go out to the runway with them, and they said, yeah, bring your camera. Come on. Excellent. So we're going back to the, to the upcoming episodes. Um, you, we know that there's going to be 26. We're not 100% sure where that might be fixed. You've got some flexibility on um, what you're going to fit in. What is it? What are some of the things that you would like to put in? Oh, well, we, we are, uh, you know, we've got upcoming, we're going to have a whole episode on TARPs. TARPs meaning? We Tactical air reconnaissance pod system, the big pod, the reconnaissance pod that was under the bottom of an F-14. Is this the one that you use to sneakily take um, a photo yeah, of the F-14s? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was classic. And then uh, we're doing an, uh, another episode on uh, Lantern, the uh, the targeting pod, which was carried on the uh, right wing station of the F-14. Yeah. About how it was developed and came about. We're going to do... Uh, we're going to do an episode where we talk to a couple of aviation ordnance men. And oh, those okay. guys, those guys were fun to talk to. We're also going to talk to uh, additional uh, maintainers as the, as the uh, program goes on. You know, we're going to, I think uh, we're not sure exactly which ones, but we're going to line up maintainers to talk about different aspects of the Tomcat. And we're going to get into uh, operational, some uh, Tomcat guys that were involved in different operations over the years. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. What's the easiest way for people to go and find the podcast? Um, where, where is it and how easy is it for people to go and find it? It's on YouTube and okay. search for F14 Tomcast. You know what? Or, or you the, can search, you can search for uh, air combat experience is uh, it's also the fighter pilot podcast, YouTube channel. And so in fact, you, you know what? Yeah, sorry, Dave. You know what? I've just remembered. I've actually got a. If people are watching this, uh, in fact, it doesn't matter where they're watching, whether it's on YouTube or on uh, Facebook. If you look in the description uh, of the YouTube video that you're watching, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on uh, Facebook, if you have a look in the post, I've actually <coughs> put a link thinking about it it's, um, directly to um, where you can find the, there you um, go. the podcast. Yep. So it makes it makes it really easy. And so if you do, but if you just feel like searching it for yourself and you type in F-14 Tomcast, make sure you're going to have to, it's going to give you the option. Do you mean F-14 Tomcats? Well, if you type in that, you'll get a million videos. So yeah. you got to say no, F-14 Tomcast, and then we, there you go. And then we pop right up. 
Very nice. It's got to, got to be exactly F14 Tomcast. That's the best and way when, to get to it. Yeah. yeah. And when technology tries to sell you that you've you've missed, you know, you've 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 typed it out wrong, you say no, take me to BIOS Tomcast. That's what I want to see. Right. Just take me there now. Supersonic, because that's what exactly. that's what we want to watch. Wings back. So, <laughs> take about 30 seconds to get there, supersonic. Yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds. Are um, we are we really gonna wrap this up in uh, 12 minutes? Um we're gonna go no, for about an hour, right? Yeah. Um, I'm good. I'm, I'm good, but I'm just playing ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm not as young as I used to be, but and it's a school night as well. I've got to take that into account. But um no, you know, being in being my been in my late forties now, I'm allowed to step late. So we can you, roll this for as, you, as long as you want and to get everything in no, there. Because we'll, what we'll I don't want to do is yeah. Do you want to talk about that myths thing that, that we talked about? Yeah, there's um there's there's two myths really, and it's about the, the wing sweep system uh, was complex and troublesome and trouble prone. So we'll go with that one. That there's there is a myth, a myth, a legend, whether it's you're gonna dispel this or say whether it's true, that people think that the wing sweep system on the F-14 was too complex and caused the jet trouble and was false. issue prone completely. False. Yeah, that's completely false. In fact, why is that? Uh, the well, I, I read this in an article that, that trashed the F-14 that came out, I think, last year. I'm not even going to go that. into any more detail. Yeah. And several people have... Uh, have said it on online and you know, it's like, ah, if you think about it, maybe, Oh, maybe it's, you know, whatever, you know, Oh crap. You know, that's not true at all. <laughs> this thing was the wing sweep box was welded titanium. And after an F 14 crashes, and I've seen this myself, we, we saw a crash on the uh, tax range in Yuma and we flew down there and you can see this rectangle in the middle of the wreckage. That's the titanium wing sweep box that survived the crash. Indestructible, like the black box. Almost. So yeah. in my experience of my flying, and we've also asked several guests this, uh, did you have any problem with the wing sweep? And they go, what? No. So, <laughs> so that is complete. If anybody says that, they're just they're just talking out of their head. You know, they, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, they're trying to think, oh, it probably is a problem. Not true. Uh, the wing sweep programmed automatically based on Mach number. The yeah. pilot was able to uh, sweep it aft of its program, but uh, but couldn't bring them forward of the program number because that would that would create too much lift and cause uh, structural damage very easily. Yeah. So so it's so it's just a myth. Yes, yeah, that's a total myth. Okay. The AIM-54 apparently was not um, effective against a fighter. And that's, myth that's a myth also. That's a ah. myth also. The, uh, the uh, fact is that the U.S. Navy had, I believe, four, it's possible five, but at least four AIM-54 launches against, I think it's four, mm -hmm. against fighter-sized targets. Uh, some of those were, were a pure... Uh, error on the part of the crew that was supposed to set up the missiles. That's the way I understand it. I wasn't there. I didn't dig into it. I've done some open source research because I, you know, I didn't want to learn anything classified. Uh, so that's kind of a write-off. It wasn't really a good demonstration of the missiles capability. Uh, 
right. on the another one, I believe the missile maneuvered. I mean, the target maneuvered. Right. Sorry, the target. The reality was the AIM-54 got up to some good knots, had some good high speed. So mm -hmm. it had, because the rocket motor burned a long time. So if the target was close, that rocket motor is going to burn a long time, which means the missile is going to have a lot of power and going to be able to maneuver. Right. Uh, if the target's further away, the missile climbed to altitude so that it could dive down on the target and gain energy as it was descending to preserve its ability to maneuver. Uh, in addition, it had a large warhead, a large kill radius. Uh, you know, it, it's too bad that uh, the U.S. didn't get more chances to shoot Phoenix against fighters. Um, the Iranian Air Force did shoot a lot of Phoenix against fighters, um, yep. and they they loved it. They had a lot of success with it. So, so another myth dispelled. Okay. Um, Dave, I'll I'm going to another question. I did some research today, Michael. Cool. So to talk about the costs being higher than other aircraft. Uh, Do you yes, want to set this up? Yeah, there was, um, in fact, I've removed some of that. It was that there's, there's was been the, a lot of discussion. There's been why a lot was of discussion. the Tomcat replaced? Yeah, why was it replaced? And people jump on, on the, the, the myth bandwagon of because it took so many maintenance hours and it was so expensive to maintain. And that was the reason that it got shut. By well, the, the, the high maintenance, the high maintenance was uh, partly attributable to those compromises that I mentioned early on. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, I mean, some of the wiring that was used was faulty. And once the airplanes got rebuilt in depot, the wiring got improved and airplane reliability went up. But uh, in my case, you know, I was I was around I was I was in the Navy when the F-14 program was killed and the Super Hornet was selected. And, you know, there's just a lot of chaff going around, a lot of accusations and things like that. So I went to a book that uh, that I trust. And this is by Brad Elward. It's a book about the Super Hornet. Okay. Wide on that, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's a book about the Super Hornet. But Brad Elward is a very careful, it's an, he's an excellent researcher and a good writer. And he presents the case in there when the Super Hornet was selected over the Tomcat. Navy leadership was looking for a lower cost option. And it was shortly after the Soviet Union broke up. They were they yeah. thought we could get away with uh, reduced capability. We don't need carrier air defense anymore with the big Phoenix and the big Tomcat. And they thought the Super Hornet could do the job. I'm I'm not going to trash the Super Hornet. I like the Super Hornet. Um, you know, it, I mean, there's just to me, uh, the decision was made. We got over it. We have to live with it. Yes, I love the Tomcat. It's a yeah. very capable airplane. But when the, the time came to upgrade the Tomcat or the Super Hornet, uh, Navy leadership thought that the Super Hornet would be adequate capability for a lower cost. And not only lower cost to produce, but over the life cycle, it had a lower cost per flight hour and all these other things. Do you think so, politics come up come into play with that? Uh, people that didn't people, really understand it, but just from a sheer political point of view, obviously getting their say so in there. There's, there's, now this is where and this is where you know everybody has all kinds of opinions. So I, I don't know anything about that. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I can't really, I have no firsthand knowledge that I can, uh, can inform you with. Oh, you want yeah, to talk you, about the injection sequence? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, first of all, you, could you sum up in a short space of, cause there's just so many brilliant attributes about the F-14. It's undeniable, but in your view, what was it that made the F-14 such an incredibly capable jet? The jet that it was is that possible to to put it into a you know a paragraph yeah i'll say just a a few things one um i've got to give grumman's engineers and designers a ton of credit because this was i mean when this airplane was new it was a sensation this thing first yeah. flew in 1970 it was one of the most maneuverable fighters in the whole world Plus, it had incredible long range. That's undeniable. Long range yeah. radar, long range missiles, undeniable. It could shoot down different targets from the day it entered service. You look at the, even the F-15, sorry, F-15 guys, but they were limited to AIM-7 Sparrows until about 1991. Wow. One airplane, one target. So this is 50, 51 yeah. years ago that this flew. This, yeah, this flew in 1970, right? Just over 50 years ago. So Grumman did a great job designing the airplane. Uh, the Navy did a, a nice job of training air crews. And then you put these trained pilots in Rios in there, and you set high standards for them and turn them loose, and you get the Tomcat. <laughs> Excellent. Got a question about the, the Tomcat. Was the F-14 ground radar strong enough for you to spot shipwrecks underneath the ocean water? No. Not even excellent. Close. That's that one. <laughs> you want to talk about the ejection sequence that killed Goose? Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's cover that one because it's still. Um, I've seen it in the group today, Michael, uh, yesterday. It's still going on. Still Michael, raging. Another one that that people uh, have heard a little bit about. The fact is that the F fourteen ejection sequence requires the canopy to get away from the aircraft before the seats will fire. And in normal yeah. flight, even if you're at low speed, I mean, when I ejected, we were going about 50 knots. That's low speed. But the yeah. canopy cleared very quickly and, and our seats fired very quickly. However, in a flat spin, there, and this was discovered in flight testing. They were doing high angle of attack testing. They lost an engine. The airplane went into a flat spin. And as I was talking to another Rio about this, he said, that was when they realized the F-14 could spin. They thought it was unspinnable. Wow. So they never yeah. managed to actually to, to force it into a spin through previous tests. They had not. So when they lost an engine with the other engine at full burner, that did it. And that was so that's that was a big wake up call for the Navy. Anyway, the plane fell, fell, fell spinning. Yeah. The crew could not get it out of the spin. So they ejected. And the original yeah. ejection process was just pull the handle. When they pulled the handle, the canopy came up, but it kind of floated above the airplane because the Rio ran into the canopy and he injured himself. That actually happened. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. During flight test. So, and as evidence of that happening, the, uh, the, the uh, ejection procedure in the NATOPS manual was changed so that in a flat spin, Rio jettisons canopy first. Some Rios forgot. In the stress of the moment, some Rios yeah. remembered uh, in real world. Anyway, in the movie, when Paramount came to Top Gun and they showed us their original script 
and they were saying, okay, we have a plot point. How does Goose get killed? Okay, if you've never seen the movie, cover your ears. <laughs> Spoiler alert. How does Goose get killed and Maverick not get killed? Well, some of us Top Gun instructors, most of us had been F-14 guys at that time. We remembered this incident. And so we said, well, that Rio, he just hurt his leg, but he could easily have hit his head and been killed. So yeah. that's how Goose got killed. Yeah, because uh, some it, people think think that the ejection seat has actually got a spike built onto it to punch through the canopy. Well, which and some aircraft do that. Yeah, but not the F fourteen. Right, not the F fourteen. Certainly not the F fourteen A. I'm not yeah. sure about the uh, the D. But the F fourteen A does cannot eject through the canopy. I mean, the seats won't fire unless the canopy is gone. There's a lanyard back there. It was a pre flight item. Yeah, that's the, that's actually was mentioned. Um, Michael Kermizic, Kermizic, sorry, uh, Butch, mentioned it today. He was, he was a F-14 Rio. Yeah, I, don't, no, I didn't I realize it. that until, yeah. until we were in sister squadrons. So in in the case of, of that being attached and if the canopy, would the canopy be ejected far enough on a flat spin vertically up? Would it be far enough for, for that tether to... To, to to believe that the the actual ejections um it, it was that's what happened still go. Right. so that that tether it had yes so if you think about it that tether had to have been pulled out so the canopy was 30 feet away 30 feet but it away. happened to be right above the airplane yeah you know i mean incredible one in a million shot but yeah put it, it into it perspective happened. dave when the ejection seat fires either the rio or, or the pilot from the cockpit how high up does that go like what's the capability of it lifting up before the chutes come out um it goes up i i think um uh, maybe 70 80 feet something like that right and then the chute is blown open it's got called yeah. a ballistic spreader gun it opens the parachute so if okay. you're if you're sitting on the ground still and strapped in you will have a good ejection it's a zero yeah. zero seat which has obviously been some um, carrier landing, uh, some carrier um, takeoffs where I've had to eject on takeoff before the plane even lifted. Yeah, yeah. Scary things. So I've seen that one of the uh, the videos came up on that. One of the other things, um, a training exercise where Viper goes below the hard deck and Maverick follows him down. Would a Top Gun instructor have really gone below the hard deck to escape? And what would have been the consequences for him and the student if Maverick and the student, uh, had, the student had followed the instructor? You know, I'm tempted to give you a smart aleck answer, but I'm not. The well, reality was when, when Top Gun instructors were uh, doing engagements, excuse me, when Top Gun instructors were in training engagements, they were very serious about, uh, about flying because they realized it's potentially dangerous. Uh, and and the uh, altitude restrictions, the soft deck and the hard deck, are two things that they kept uh, watching carefully. So yeah. if uh, so, Viper went below the hard deck. Yeah, a, an instructor would not intentionally do that. And any if he did, hopefully the student would call. You know, hard deck. Yeah. But the instructor would, the instructor would be very aware of that. I mean, I was a Top Gun instructor. I've got hundreds of engagements. Uh, usually the pilot was the flight lead, but occasionally I was the mission commander. And anyway, the whole time we were engaged, you're very you're very aware of the uh, training rules, safety training yeah. rules. So I've actually I mean, just realized the situation just wouldn't happen. Right. So they, they just wouldn't do it. Hollywood strikes again in Top Gun. Now, 
before I was, okay, here it comes, Michael. I'm working in my other podcast series. <laughs> do it, do Be it. Cause this is where we need to come back to. Okay. Before I was a Top Gun instructor, when I was just a junior officer Rio in VF 24, I was uh, selected to participate in a, uh, a very fun and challenging program. And due to a, a, a misstatement in the flight brief, we did a complete full-on ACM engagement well below the hard deck. And I've told other guys this, and they go, it's hard to believe. But uh, a few months ago, I talked to my pilot that I was flying with, and he goes, yeah, that's the way I remember it. We were down around 500 feet, 500 feet and wow. less, 500 feet and below, and we were fighting uh, one F-14 against five F-4 Phantoms. I mean, it was in my entire career, and this was this was early in my career. My entire career it remains one of my most memorable flights. So, <laughs> so I talk about that in detail on my personal podcast, which is called uh, Tomcat Memories. Yes, and, this is one that this is this is just your own podcast, isn't it? This is your own series. Um, how many? How long has this been going? Uh, this has been going on for uh, a little bit over a month, I believe. I'm looking at my calendar here on my wall. Okay. Um, and whereas the F-14 TomCast is Crunch and me interviewing subject matter experts, uh, you know, kind of structured about significant events in the F-14, this other podcast, which is called TomCat Memories. There we go. Yeah. It's just me telling a short story flying story from my own experience. So it lasts uh, about 10 minutes plus or minus. Yeah. I've seen a couple of these. I've seen a couple of these. Uh, these are great because obviously normally when you watch a podcast, like these ones tend to go on for an hour, some, some go on for an hour and a half. It's nice to sometimes just sit down and watch like a 15, 20, 25 minute. And it, even though that's like half an hour or so, it's it's kind of like a... Um, Oh, my longest one, my longest one, I think, is 15 minutes. The other ones, I look at the time; they're like seven minutes, and I'm trying cool. to keep them short. So, yeah, because people can just like, well, I've got 10 minutes. I want to learn what I'll have that, and rather than because everybody's rushed for time, yeah, you know, you have who's got an hour to sit and, and watch a, a podcast like you and me, know, apart from everybody that's doing it right now. Yeah, thank you for watching. <laughs> yeah, Michael, let's you, respect our audience. I'll let, I'll let you. you I'll let you start to wrap it up out of respect. Um, well, thank you so much. I, I, you know, I think I might actually just sit back and you just, no, I'm asking. <laughs> Dave, I, it is, it's always a, a pleasure to, to, to speak to you. Um, Thanks. It's it is. You just, coming you on just, your program. Apart from, apart from the fact that you know so much, you are genuinely a really nice guy. Oh, so can I, you see my face turn around? <laughs> yeah, okay, since so you're saying that, I'm going to give you kudos for running the uh, the Top Gun movie fans page so nicely. You do a great oh, job with that. Thank you. And so your much. fan, I mean your your members are great. Also, they come up with great questions, great observations, and comments. It it is incredible what that movie has become. I mean, if you had asked me when we were working on that movie, hey, Bio, do you think anybody's going to care about this movie in five years? I no. Yeah, no, 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 of course not. No, and I, I've spoke to the, uh, I spoke to people, Frank and Billy, and, yeah. and everybody that, that was part of it. And even there, they look around and go, like, look, we know we had a good movie, we know it was going to be good, but we didn't know it was going to be this 
good. But well, you know, for thirty five years later, and yeah, and, and it's I, great I think, that you're that you're bringing Frank, you're bringing these guys on, you know, into the public, and they've got all these fascinating stories. So yeah. <laughs> it's great, and, I, and, I'm and I know Mitchell this. helped you too. Go ahead. He did. He did. It just it's been really helpful. I'm going to put it out because um, I I don't care. This is my own personal opinion. I don't. I think. Yeah, you know what's coming. Top Gun 1986 is still going to be better in a number of ways than the follow-up movie, even uh, though the follow-up movie is obviously going to be a really good movie because it's a love letter to aviation. It's got all the new jets in it. It's got the new pilot. It's got new, kind of like a new storyline in parts, I guess. Okay, that, but it's, that's your prediction. It's not, it's, not, I, it's just, I think for, for first-generation Top Gun fans, such as myself, meaning like I'm old enough to remember the first one. I don't think it's going to carry. But then on the flip side, maybe the new film's going to carry with the new generation in the same way, you know, that this first one carried. But Michael, I talked to some super Hornet guys that flew in the movie and some Top Gun instructors. And when I talk to these guys, they've got every bit of enthusiasm and, and certainly the commitment that we mm -hmm. had back in my day. And yeah. so I hope, I mean, this is their movie. And so yeah. for their sake, I hope it's a very good movie. Well, I'm not, I'm not even going to bother to make a prediction. I, I think the, the aviation part of this, Dave, of the new movie, absolutely spot on. And that's one of the, the main attractions for me for, for going to watch this. So, Dave, we did this for the F-14 Tomcast, which is great because it's there. It's, it's on the... the it's a really nice top. I'm going to send you my address because I want one of those. <laughs> you can't get I'm them. Not gonna, I'm not going to get Sorry. one, am I? No. Um, so remind us again. Where French and I had these custom made at significant expense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try something. I don't know if it's going to work. But, but that's you know. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Try and get Film the camera on that. Why is everything back, always back to front? God. No, it's hard. Anyway. You see, when I hang whole pictures up, it's hard to get them right. So. <laughs> yeah. so, Dave, please remind everybody where they can go to tune in and catch um, the previous and future episodes of the F-14 Tomcast and also your new one called Tomcat Memories. They Apart are, from the links being in the descriptions. but They are both they on YouTube. The easiest thing to do is search for F-14 Tomcast and make sure you spell it the way we do. There you go. Just like that. And uh, and stay tuned because we've got some great shows coming up. Oh, without a shout. Without a shout of a doubt. I am I can't wait for the next ones to come up. I've got reminders that pop up that all the while. And they're, they're recorded anyway. So if we miss the lives, we yeah. can always jump back and, and watch yeah. the replay. Yep. Fantastic. Dave, it's always been a pleasure. And I'm hoping you're going to be back with us actually uh, next week, I believe it is. You're with, that's right. Yeah. For everybody that's, that's still watching on this, the Dave's going to be joining us again um, in about a week's time. And we're going to go and what are we going to do? We're going to deconstruct the flight scenes from Top Gun, from a uh, Top Gun instructor's uh, viewpoint, whether it be good, whether, you know, whether did good, whether did bad, whether could have done better. But we're gonna we're gonna deconstruct everything and take a look at it from a real Top Gun point of view, and that is gonna be from your Australia, Mister Bio himself. 
Dave, I'm going to sling you back into the green room and finish this off, and then I'll come and have a chat with you before we depart. Thanks for having me, Michael. Always good talking to you. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Dave. I'll speak to you in a moment. Yep. Well, that sums up this episode of Below the Hard Deck. I've really enjoyed this. I hope you have too. It's been a pleasure having uh, David on. It's uh, said before, say it again. Always is a pleasure. Um, to go and catch uh, the F14 Tom cast, which is the way that you need to spell that. If you go and do a search uh, into YouTube to find that, make sure it's F14 Tom cast. I've also put a link in the description and the post. If you're watching this on Facebook, it's in the post, uh, the text for the post. If you're watching this on YouTube, then it's going to be underneath the video in the description. Um, highly, highly recommend that you go and check out um, Dave's uh, F14 Tom Cast. And, and I'll get my uh, just bear with me, wet this one. And also make sure you check out his own uh, Tomcat uh, podcast, which is a really great short series of uh, of just wonderfulness from Mr. Pio. So I'm going to wrap this up and uh, thank you everybody for uh, for watching and uh, we'll catch you next time. Enjoy. <laughs>